Uh, we've been doing a series on growing pains, and I've been talking about how this has just been a year to grow. And can I just ask a, a, a question because I'm, I'm curious, how many of you really feel like you could honestly say, yeah, this year I've been doing some, some growing? Anybody? Yeah? All right. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, good. All right. I, just, I was hoping uh, that that's kind of uh, you know, what we would do this year together. Now, I didn't say, was this year easy or was this year you know, uh, just all full of uh, roses and sunshine, uh, but uh, growth? Was it, can you really say, though, yeah, even in those uh, tough times, those dark times, those maybe feeling like you're hitting a wall times, uh, but God did something in me. God changed me in an area or, you know, or refined me or, you know, even removed something in my life or, or removed something that was in my way or, you know, I, that's, that's what I mean by growth. And by the way, the year's not over. Uh, we still got some time and it's still my prayer for you. It's what I've been praying over you. It's what I've been praying for the church. Uh, again, uh, you know, I, I'm not talking about numerical growth. I'm talking about individual growth uh, in the Lord. And tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, growing closer to him. I don't know about you, but really, the, the only objective I have in my life is to grow closer and closer to God. And there's been times in my life that I felt distant from him. There have been even seasons of my life where I kind of felt like me and God had just kind of parted ways and I had gone over here to do my thing and he must have been busy over here doing his thing. Um, but then there were those moments that I would have where I realized that I, whatever it is that I was doing, that I needed to turn and I needed to, to go and seek him again. But the interesting thing was that every time I would kind of come to that realization that I needed to grow closer to God or I needed to get back to God or I, I just needed to be in his presence again, he was always there to be found. Immediately. It wasn't anything that I had to like search for and, and labor over and where is he and where did he go and oh, I lost him or anything like that. The moment, I mean the moment I would kind of turn my heart back to the Lord, he was there waiting for me. So to be honest with you, he didn't go anywhere, right? God didn't go anywhere. Sometimes it's us who kind of, you know, wander. You know, like, like that, that song says, you know, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And I do that. And sometimes even, you know, it, sometimes it's even gradual. It's not purposefully. I don't purposefully walk away from God. It just seems like maybe like kind of just time kind of goes by and maybe just lack of that kind of constant pursuit, you just kind of drift away. But whatever it is, we can feel distant from God, but kind of our primary objective, especially if we call ourselves Christians, is to get closer and closer and closer to him and really into this act of, you know, God, I want to walk with you. So we're going to be talking about growing closer to God in our series of, of growing pains. Uh, many of you uh, know this. I, I, I've shared this before. I, I try to be a, a pretty open book, but um, when I was seven years old, my parents uh, divorced. Um, my, my dad moved out, and he just threw himself into his job, uh, and what I came to realize as an adult was that he realized that he still had a family to take care of, that just because he wasn't physically there, uh, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, completely leaving us high and dry, but that he had just completely immersed himself into his job. 
My mom became our primary caretakers, and, and uh, uh, my mom took care of my brother and I, and um, she, she did remarry, uh, but even her second marriage, there was a, a divorce there and a split. But I was primarily, up until the age of 16, I lived with my mom. Something happened in, uh, after my, my sophomore year of high school. My sophomore year in high school was my absolute worst year. It was awful. That was after my mom had, had separated from her second marriage. And to be honest, life was horrible. Horrible. It was so horrible, I would have rather have been at school. That's how bad it was, guys. And how, how many of you know, school's not necessarily like the best place to be. But life was so bad, I would have rather have been at school. That's how bad my home life was. Something happened. Something stirred in me. And I realized I almost kind of came, and, and I, I, I now know that it was God, it was the Holy Spirit, but the summer after uh, leaving my sophomore year, before I had got into my junior year, I knew and I made a decision in my heart, I wanted to move in with my dad. I didn't know him that well. Um, you know, I did spend every other weekend with him, and I did spend holidays with him, and, and I, I knew him, but I wanted to live under his roof again. And I, to be honest with you, I, I, I kind of knew also what I was getting myself into. My mom was the easygoing one. My mom was the one that let me get away with everything. My dad was the disciplinarian. My dad was the one that was going to bring down the hammer. My dad was the one that was going to give me chores to do. My dad was, I knew what I was getting into, but there was a longing in my heart that I knew I needed to do that. So, summer, I go and I approach my mom, and by the way, it was an awful conversation because uh, my mom got very emotional, and she kind of said she knew, she understood, but, you know, I, at 16 years old, I was leaving my mom, you know, I mean, 16-year-olds don't normally move out of the house, right? They don't normally just, you know, uh, up and leave. But, and, you know, I was doing that with my mom, but I was going to live with my dad. So I moved in with my dad. Now, the process, the time, and the relationship, it wasn't easy. But I will tell you this. Those two years that I moved in with him, because then I, I, you know, after that I went, I'm sorry, four years. I lived with my dad for four years. Those four years, even though they were very difficult, even though my dad and I squared off several times, we got in each other's faces, it wasn't easy. But I'll tell you, though, I needed those four years. I needed those four years because there was a longing in my heart that I didn't realize that I had. And in those four years, as difficult as they were, and my dad's not perfect, in those four years, I got to walk with my dad. I got to grow closer to my dad. I got to understand and get to know my dad. And I'll tell you, I am the man, or <laughs> I am who I am. I contributed to, why are you laughing? I'm a man. I went off-roading this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Well, I am the man I am, though, uh, because of the time that I got to spend with my dad. And it was so important. And it, it's shaped me.
but I got to draw closer to my dad. And, I, and tonight I want to talk about drawing closer to our, our heavenly father. And to be honest with you, there was time in my life that I didn't want to be in his presence. There was a time in my life that I could care less about my dad. In fact, there was even a weekend I was so mad at him, so mad at him because he would, um, he would do things like, you know, not show up on weekends that were supposed to be his. Now, again, I did not know he had completely submerged himself into his job, and so it was all work-related. I didn't know that, though, as a kid, and I was mad at him. And one weekend, he, it was just his weekend, and by the way, we only would have two days together. He'd pick me up on Friday night, and Sunday afternoon, he'd take, he'd, you know, I'd go back to my mom's, but he came to pick me up, and I was so mad at him that I went and hid over at the park across the street, and they couldn't find me. And I didn't want to be found. There was a time in my life that I was so angry at my dad that even the sight of him But then there was a longing in my heart that I knew I needed him. I needed him in my life. Despite how angry I was at him, despite how, you know, ticked off, despite how just mad he made me, I knew I needed him in my life. I want to talk about growing closer to God because I don't know how you feel about God. I don't know how you view God. Some of us because of our experience with our fathers here on earth, some of us view God like that. Some of us view God in, through that lens, you know, with whatever your experience has been. There's a, a scripture, and it's in Genesis 3.8. And I, by the way, I always say you can find so many answers uh, in the, 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 the Old Testament before sin entered the world. Because it's the only place that you see God and man interact when there is no sin. And we kind of forget that. We kind of go to all the rest of the book and we we look at how man and God interact. But but by the way, that is after the fall. That is when sin has entered the world. That is when there's all these obstacles uh, in between our relationship. But there's a time, and we can read it, that there was none of that. Before the fall, before Adam and Eve sinned. So we're going to look at this uh, uh, Genesis uh, 3.8. And it says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Verse 9 says, then the Lord God called to the man and he said, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid, and I was afraid because I was naked. We are seeing a picture of what I would imagine was a daily occurrence, okay? Now, at this moment, Adam and Eve have just sinned, but God was doing something that he did every day. It says that he was walking in the cool of the evening, and who was he looking for? Adam and Eve. He was looking for them. He wasn't just passing by. He, I, would, I, I am assuming and I have to believe that this was something they did every single day. That God would come and he would say, hey, Adam and Eve, where are you? Let's go on our walk. Anybody ever, uh, ever do that w- uh, with your family? Where like uh, our family, we would eat dinner and then we would go on a walk. Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever do the walking thing? Yeah, okay, all right, some, some, some of you. 
<clears throat> and and it's, 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 a, it's a great time because you, you converse. So I would imagine that God was saying, hey, it's that time again. Let's go on our walk. But something obviously had changed this day. Something was different. And not only that, that God calls Adam and he says, where are you? And not because he couldn't find him. God knows all, he sees all, and, but he was calling to him because he wanted Adam to think about, you know, what are you doing? Adam, what are you doing? But my point is, is that God is always seeking after you. God, if anything, I believe is relational. I know he's relational because he created us to be relational. In fact, Christianity is really, if you look at it and get away from all the, the, the kind of the religious aspects of it, it's very relational. It's all about coming together. It's all about fellowshipping together. It's all about unity. It's all about being together. It's all about, you know, it's all about relationship with God and relationship with each other. God is a relational God. You know how I know this? Because there's three persons in the Trinity, in the Godhead, that they are in relationship with each other. It's all they know. I sometimes, I don't know about you, but do you sometimes think of God as this lone figure kind of off in the cosmos, you know, just kind of sitting up there doing one of these things? He's not. He's not the CEO sitting in a office who's just waiting to, you know, kind of hand out orders. He's relational. Your God, the one who created you, is relational, and he wants relationship with you. You need to know that. You need to know that. That, that needs to become a part of your belief system that God is relational and he wants to have a relationship with you. There's this other scripture, Genesis 5.23, and it's, there's this guy named Enoch, okay? And Enoch only gets a couple verses, but they're powerful, they, I mean, you know, if you're going to be mentioned in the Bible, be memorable, right? Right? And Enoch does it. In, in just a couple verses, Enoch becomes a memorable character, even though you, we, don't, we know really nothing more than this about him. Genesis 5.23, Enoch lived 365 years. Wow. It's amazing. Walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. It doesn't say that he died. Because in everywhere else, it, it talks about, you know, people dying. It talks about, you know, all, all, everyone else, it talks about their death. Even Moses and the patriarchs and the kings and all of them, it will describe or it will talk about their timeline and when they died. Enoch it says he walked with God. In fact, he walked with God so closely, one day he disappeared. Can you picture this with me? Okay, you're walking, right? You're talking with God. You're just walking on a normal dirt road, you know, normal grass around you, normal trees. And then all of a sudden, you look down and you realize that you're walking on gold, Right, you're looking around and there's you know these beautiful cities and this amazing light and all of a sudden like what happened? I want that so desperately to be said about me. I want to. I mean, I really that's what I desire. And by the way, I'm not saying that I am near perfect to this, but what I'm saying is that's what my heart's desire is that I want to walk with God so closely that the seam 
you know, the, the line between uh, earth and heaven, you know, just gets blurred because I'm walking with God so closely. Did anybody else desire that? And, I mean, I, that's what I desire. Again, I'm not, I'm far from it, far from perfect. So how do we do this? How do we achieve this? How do we grow closer to God and how do we, how do we walk with God? The first one is, is we need to start by reading his word. We need to be in God's word. We, we, we have to understand who he is, right? I, I needed to start by knowing who my dad was. And we can do that. And if you could say, well, I, you know, I, I don't know who God is. I, I don't know, you know, Matthew. I can't just move in with him like you moved in with your dad. I can't just do that. But you can. You can read his word. And the first is, is that, you know, we, we read his word so that we will know the truth. In Psalm 86, 11, it says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. It says, teach me your ways, not my ways, and teach me your truth, not my truth. And by the way, those are in constant battle every day. His truth and my truth, his ways and my ways. They're at constant battle. But when I'm in his word, I will know and I will learn what his truth is, what his word says. When we know who God really is, it will change the way we act and the way we react to life. For example, if you believe that God hates you, or if you believe that God's always angry at you, which by the way, I've been that way in seasons of my life, I felt like, oh man, God's got to be so ticked with me. He's got to be so upset with me with all the things that I've been doing and the way that I've been thinking and acting and all that kind of stuff that there is no way. But if we don't understand his truth, you see, that's not how God views us. God doesn't view us like we view each other, right? If you tick me off, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with you, right? That's kind of what we do as people, right? You know, if someone at school makes you mad, what do you do? See ya, right? Caden's got it. See ya. You're done. But see, God doesn't treat us that way. God doesn't say, you know what? You messed up. You're out. He, that's not how he reacts with it. But by the way, we have to be in his word to understand his truth, to understand that that's not how he acts with us. And when we have that belief system that we know that, then we will act accordingly or react accordingly to every situation in our life. The other thing that by reading his word is we will know his promises. And we've talked a lot about this. Psalms 1830, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. When we know God's promises, it helps us to confidently approach him. It helps us to confidently approach him. For example, if the rent is due and you're looking at the bank account and there's nothing left, it helps us confidently approach and say, God, I know your promises say that you will provide because you are the God who provides and you have never, ever failed when we come to you and say, please help me provide for me. That's what that means. There is a promise in the Bible. We stand confidently on that promise. So when that situation arises, you are able to stand with confidence because we know his promises. How do we also, uh, why also should we read his word is so that we'll know his love. Ephesians 1, 4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. 
in his eyes, even before the world was created. Do you hear that? God thought about you. This is how much he loves you. This is how much he cares about you. This is how much he's concerned about everything that you're going through is that he thought about you even before the world was created. That's got to be blowing your mind. Come on, it's blowing my mind. Know his love. I believe, you guys, I believe this is where most Christians struggle. I really believe most Christians struggle with how God loves them. I, I think they believe God loves them, but, I, but, but sometimes we, we go back to that, that way of, but I kind of need to earn it, right? I, I think I need to earn God's love, so I'm gonna do all of this. But then you do all of this and not a lot changes, and then what happens? You get frustrated, right? Because Lord, I'm doing all of this and nothing's changing. And God's saying, I didn't tell you to do that. I didn't say that you needed to do that to earn my love. In fact, I've already given you my love. You have already have my love. I hope that when you do things for me, it's out of our relationship. It's out of the fact that we love each other, not because you're trying to earn my love. Do you see what I'm saying? And I feel like this is the place that Christians get into sometimes. And this is why you have Christians who get frustrated with God. Because they're, I think that they're, in, they're trapped in this place of trying to earn his love when you don't have to do that. The next thing we need to do to draw closer to God is we need to talk to him. You guys, we need to talk to God. We need to talk with him. And the first one is, is walking with him. Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. I believe this scripture right now is a promise for you. There's someone in here who needs to hear this, and I'm gonna read it again. Isaiah 43, two. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Now, do you notice it doesn't say that God's gonna keep all of that stuff from you, right? You're still gonna go through rivers of difficulty. You're still gonna walk through fires of oppression. Uh, you're still going to, you know, those flames are still going to come and touch you, but there is a promise that when those things happens, they will not harm you. So don't freak out when you are going through those times of difficulty because this is one of those promises, amen? The next thing is ask him. Part of talking with him is, is asking him things. How many of you had a, a, a parent uh, that you were afraid to ask for things? Because you, you already knew the answer. Yeah, yeah. By the way, that was my dad, okay? When I was growing up, the answer nine times out of 10 was no. And to be honest with you, I felt like he was doing it because he liked to say no. I don't know why. Uh, guess who my mom was? She was the yes, right? She was yes. Mom, can I have that? Yes. Uh, by the way, you guys all remember the leather jacket story, right? That was my mom. My mom was kind of a pushover. My mom was kind of the one that if I wore her down, eventually she would say, all right, fine. 
But you know who my dad was? He was the rock, right? He was the rock. He was unmovable. I mean, I could, in fact, by the way, I, I never got past a couple askings because usually then it turned in physical after that. My dad would just, you know, really? Are you, are you kidding me? I already said no twice now. The third time isn't going to be verbal. That was who my dad was. But I think what happens is, is we get into this, you know, this kind of thing with God where we're afraid to ask him for things because we're afraid the answer is going to be no, right? We're afraid the answer is going to be no. But we need to ask him. In fact, John 15, 7 says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Now, I specifically chose this uh, scripture because it's in the other gospels as well. But, but John, I believe, says it with what I believe is really the true intent. It's not asking God for anything, right? Because to be honest with you, there's a lot of things I've asked for, right? And you obviously have not seen the brand new BMW out, you know, in front of the church yet. So obviously God does not answer all my prayers. But what God is saying here is, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, so there's this kind of this oneness about that, right? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, if, if, if really, if we are one with God, then ask me anything. Because if we know him, we will also know the right things to ask for. And every time we ask for those things, he will answer them. Every time. The other, the other thing we need to do is listen. In this idea of talking with him, we need to listen. I'm gonna be honest with you. Sometimes a lot of my prayers are one direction. They're one way. Okay, God, are you listening? Because here we go. I need... And done, and amen, and I will see you tomorrow. Right? Think about this for a second. Okay, think about this for a second. Uh, think about, the, you, you know, the, the person that you love to uh, talk to the most, okay? Think about that. Just think about the person you enjoy talking with the most. Now, imagine sitting with them and imagine them talking to you and they just go, blah, 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 okay, bye, see you tomorrow. And then the next time they see you, they go, blah, 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 bye, see you tomorrow. And that just goes on and on and on and on, right? And sometimes we get into that habit where we're kind of just, it's one directional. But really what we need to do is we need to listen, right? We need to listen to God because he's, he's ready to converse with you. And, and by the way, you would never ever do that to anybody that you love. And I know you all, and I know you don't do that. I know all of you are really good at the kind of give and take conversations, the kind of the listening, and then, okay, now I'm gonna say something, and now I'm listening. That's what God wants. He wants this kind of back and forth, this give and take. But we need to listen. Psalms 85, 8 says, I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying. For he speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Have you ever heard the term active listening? So Sheila and I have done, you know, like marriage retreats and, you know, marriage counseling. And, you know, we've been to all kinds of marriage seminars and stuff like that. And, and they teach this every time active listening, right? That, and by the way, I, I'm gonna tell you, I am terrible sometimes at active listening, especially when it comes to Sheila. Usually she'll start and she'll engage me in a conversation and I'm already thinking of, a, oh, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm gonna say, this is what I'm gonna come back, and this is what I'm gonna tell her, and blah, blah, blah. And then by the way, she finishes and she said, what did I just say? And I went, 
I don't remember. I honestly don't remember what you just said. And I know why. It's because I went into my head and I began to have my own dialogue. I began to already script what I, was going, what I wanted to say back to her or how I wanted to re- rebuttal with her or, you know, or it was an argument, how I was going to argue back with her. But active listening says, okay, I'm going to listen and I'm going to wait until you are completely finished and then I will think about what you just said and then I will think about you know, answering. We need to listen. And to be honest with you, let me tell you why we need to listen. We need to listen because we need to obey what he says. Because when we obey what he says, great things happen. Miracles happen. Breakthrough in our lives will happen if we just listen. We need to listen to the Lord. Number three, so number one was reading his word. Number two was talking to him. Number three is is worshiping him. Deuteronomy 10.20 says, you must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. I love that picture clinging to the Lord, right? That's that's relational right there. You're clinging to him. Your oaths must be in his name alone. You guys, worship helps us put God in his proper place in our lives. When When we go to him and when we put him back as number one in our lives, then everything else kind of lines up. But what happens is, the world is constantly fighting for that position of number one in your life. And that's why we worship God, is to put him back where he belongs, as number one, as, the, as our everything. Because the world is constantly gonna try to fight. There's constantly gonna be things that are going to come in, into your life to fight for that spot. We need to worship him. It's also part of getting to know him. And lastly, we need to love him and his people. You guys know this one, Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37 says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And I love the, and second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I need Simple, right? Don't, in fact, we, okay, so this is, this is funny. We were at this cabin, okay? There was instructions on every wall and every corner for everything. In fact, it was a joke. We were making it this joke. There was literally a sign. There was a sign here. This is how to turn on this lamp. No, no joke. I'm not joking. There was, there, there, was, there was other signs. You know, this is how to properly throw away the trash. And then in the bathroom, there was signs everywhere. This is, you know, please don't put, and there was a list of things not to put in the toilet. And then there was a sign, uh, I'm totally not joking, ask any of the guys that went. There was another sign that, please, you know, these are our towels, and this is how we would like our towels, and please don't take our towels, and blah, blah, blah. Signs everywhere, to the point where it just started to become a joke, and to the point where we stopped really taking it seriously, right? Hey, in fact, if anything, now you're, you're tempting us to want to not do all that, So I like simplicity, and I like the fact that God respects that and says, okay, I'm going to make it simple for you. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. You do those two things, you you will really be doing everything else. When we come to a full understanding of God's love for us, when that happens, when you when you really, truly understand God's love for you, then you will truly be able to love others as he's loved you. 
I know this because when I'm having difficulty, maybe loving others or, or uh, you know, maybe I'm, I'm in, a, in a fight and, you know, maybe I'm, uh, you know, one of my kids has really angered me or, you know, maybe it's a family member or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm starting to feel that, like, that flesh come in and all that stuff. Then I've lost focus of God's love for me. Because God puts up with all of this every single day and he still loves me, right? God puts up with us, our ups and our downs and our faults and our victories and he, you know what I mean? He, he, put, he, he encompasses all that and he still loves you. When we come to that understanding, we will be able to love others. We will truly, truly be able to love others. You guys, my prayer for you and worship team, you guys can come back up as we kind of close out our service. My prayer for you is that your relationship with God goes beyond just the, the do's and don'ts of religion. Because that, to be honest with you, if that was my relationship with my dad, it was just the do's, do's and don'ts, I mean, I, we'd probably still be having a problem. But when I truly got closer and closer and closer to my dad and I began to understand him better and I began to kind of, you know, spend more time with him and all these things, I, I realized something. He loved me. He, he, may have, he may have not always been able to express it. He may have been dealing with his own stuff and through, you know, all of those filters was trying to do his best to love me. But I did discover that one thing about that time with my dad is that he truly did love me. And that changed my world. Can I tell you that anger that I had, that resentment, that like, I don't know, just that, that angst inside of me that just was kind of like, you know, screw the world type of attitude. When I finally discovered that my father here on earth loved me, it changed everything. But here's the thing. Maybe you've never been able to experience that with your earthly father. But you can experience that with your heavenly father you can come to that realization that he loves you that he loves you deeply that he cares for you that there's on one side there's nothing that you can do that would separate him from you right there's no awful thing where he finally says nope you, you cross the line that's it it's over there's nothing the bible says nothing that can separate his love and on the other end of that, despite all of that, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you because he created you, because you are his. You guys, God is a relational God, and he wants a relationship with you. You hear me? God is a relational God, and he wants a relationship with you. When you start to believe that, everything else changes. How you react and act to everything changes when you come to that belief. God loves me unconditionally. And you know what? Once I discover that, then those times of walking with him become so much more intimate. Because to be honest with you, it's not... It's not anything God has done to keep me separated. It's everything that I've done or, or all my thoughts that keep me separated from him. But when I, when I find and I discover that 
despite all that he loves me, then I can, as the Bible says, approach the throne room boldly, boldly. Lord, here I am in all of my weaknesses and brokenness and failures and everything. Here I am and God says, I love you. I love you. I just felt like you needed to hear that. I don't know what your experience has been with your heavenly, or excuse me, your, your earthly fathers. You may have a great dad. But I want you to know this, your heavenly father loves you so much and he is waiting and he wants to go walking with you. He wants to do it every day and he'll call out to you. Say, where are you? Can we go on our walk today? Can we go on our walk today? I love that, that I have a God that wants to do that with me, that it's not a religious thing, that there's not like the perfect time to do it or the perfect way to do it, that it literally is just as intimate as that, go on a walk. Tell me, how was your day? What'd you do today? How do you feel? I got to, I got to spend some time with my uncle this weekend, and it was like that. It was so refreshing and enriching. And I believe, I, I mean, even though my uncle's human and, you know, he's flawed, he's a man, I thought, boy, if I can feel the way I feel this around my uncle for one weekend, how would I feel if I walked with God like that every single day? I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid to engage with me. Don't let fear keep you. Don't let your past sins keep you. Don't let your failures or, or, or even your own self-image keep you from saying, you know what? I am going to choose to seek out my dad. I am going to choose to seek him out and walk with him and get to know him better. And it may be a process and it may take some time and it may be an investment, but I am going to do it because I know it will pay. It will change your life. And I'm not talking about my earthly father, but my heavenly father has changed my life. I will never be the same. In fact, I never want to be the person I was before. Can I pray for you?